what's up guys, I want to say thank you as always for listening and also take this time to announce that after this current season, season four, the travel series, Josiah's voice resumes its regularly scheduled programming. We're going back to the movies, y'all. So season five will be short and sweet, beginning in October with weekly episodes. I'll be talking with filmmakers from Baltimore to LA about movie magic, as well as catching you up on what I've been up to creatively. Finally, the plan for season six is to begin in November with new episodes every other week. Going forward, the show will be celebrating and focusing on black filmmaking as I continue to chronicle my career and those of filmmakers I think you should know about from the States and abroad. Stay tuned. All of this and more is coming soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. What's up, everybody? This is Josiah. Welcome back to another episode of Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Welcome to the first episode of season four. Um, This is going to be a bit of an experimental season. Today, I'm uh, I'm working from a uh, Blue Yeti mic, courtesy of my friends uh, CA and LA. Shout out to them on Twitch. Um, Really, really appreciate the gift. Um, Really means a lot. You might hear maybe sounds of children outside um, because there's the neighbors here on either side of me have, uh, you know, a couple of kids, and so they they like to play tag and scream and play basketball and stuff, and some of it kind of carries. Just thought I'd give you a heads up. This could very well be the final season of Josiah's Voice. I'm just going to be honest. A lot's been changing. Uh, For the better, I've got some new projects um, coming up that uh, I can't wait to share with you, so just hang tight, just stay tuned. Uh, but we'll see whether this is goodbye or just see you later. But I just, I really just thought I should go ahead and finally put that out there. Um, it's been, it's been a great run for sure. I've been enjoying myself. Um, there may be more and more to come uh, post season four. So we'll see. I just want to thank everybody who's participated, who's, who's listened, who's, who's shared, who's gotten something really positive and enjoyable out of this. I just want to put that out there right now. If something changes and this isn't the end, then, well, I still mean every word of that anyway. And I'm really excited to get into uh, what I'm calling kind of my travel season of Josiah's Voice. Um, We're getting a little bit more international with our artists and whatnot and creatives. Um, We're going all over the world uh, in, in this season, actually. So we're still talking to you know, writers, filmmakers, business people, um, various creatives. Um, and so I wanted to start it off uh, with this episode, um, a little bit of a reintroduction, of course. You know, if you're new here, uh, welcome here. Uh, I, I'm Josiah and I chart my course as a creative, specifically as a writer and filmmaker. I chart some of my progress here, my writing projects, um, being a solo podcast host, being a filmmaker, being um, working on film sets. And I also talk to other filmmakers and creatives as well in a variety of different industries. So thanks for stopping by. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe and share if you like this episode. And uh, let's go ahead and get get into it. So I'm just going to start off with, uh, with travels. Um, but before I get into that, um, here I'll just do a little, little recap for anybody who, who might be new. Originally from Maryland, um, I was homeschooled. I'm uh, the oldest of four sons. All of us were homeschooled. My mom's got a degree in business and education. I'm a creative who loves comic books and film. So if you're also uh, been writing with Josiah's Voice podcast, you definitely know that. Superman and Static Shock are like two of my top favorite superheroes. I grew up on DC um, thanks to the comic book line Ultimate Spider-Man in 2001, that's how I got into Marvel, actually, reading Marvel comics. I still read more DC, um, actually even more creator 
owned even non-specific comics nowadays. Um, Image is one of my favorites. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, comic book publishing house. You'll get superhero comics. You'll get crime comics. You'll get just a variety of creator-owned titles. So I'm a big lover of, of comic books and comic book films. Loved uh, cartoons growing up. Arthur was like my favorite cartoon. Um, loved movies. Hook was one of my favorite movies. Loved like Goofy Movie and Superman and The Matrix and Lord of the Rings. Um, I wrote a book with my dad that I've mentioned before in my uh, writing a television pilot episode way back in season one. Wow, time flies. That was back in mid-2020 when I put out that episode. Um, so if you're new here and you're interested in uh, television writing as well as adaptations of books, there's kind of a combination theme there in that episode back in season one. Go check that out. You'll hear from my dad and I uh, in upcoming episodes here in this season as well, uh, talking about creating that book. Um, a little sneak peek, um, especially if you're new here, is it's called Noteworthy Tribute. It's a coming-of-age novel that takes place in Virginia Beach with uh, some folks in their mid-20s, maybe early 30s, who are musicians. And it's just an adventure of them uh, trying to get a, trying to cut a, an album while also just juggling life's challenges, family mysteries, love, college, job, holding a band together, etc. And Dad and I had a great time with that. I'd always wanted to be published and had no idea for the longest time that right under my roof, you know, my dad was secretly penning a novel. And uh, I guess after my first semester in college, he invited me to co-author it with him. So we have some great memories there. Uh, so if you're interested in that, stay tuned because we're going to delve into that more this season. Um, also, shout out to him because we also talk about um, him and my mom. We talk about uh, writing the book as well on the podcast that my dad and my mom uh, host. It's called Awaken with Mark and Marlene. So feel free to check that out on Spotify. Worked in television and film production. Um, definitely did that when I moved to Los Angeles. That was one of the reasons I moved there. Uh, my family moved there with me, and that was pretty amazing. Uh, that was a road trip. Um, we drove from Maryland to Los Angeles, and we had a, a, a great time. I'm going to get more into that later in this episode. And then, like I said, I'm living in Rwanda now in East Africa. Uh, it's been six months. Time really flies. Um, and it's been amazing, and I'll get more into that later. So, uh travel series. So my earliest memories of travel were road trips to Springfield, Illinois, uh, where my dad grew up. He's, uh, I mentioned Superman being like one of my favorite superheroes. It's funny, my dad's kind of like the black Clark Kent because he grew up in the Midwest just like Superman did. Um, but yeah, my dad's from Springfield and that's probably where I've been to the most growing up. Um, we took at least five different road trips, uh, visit my dad's mom, uh, his his sisters, one of them isn't with us anymore, uh, rest in peace to uh, Aunt Addie. Just a lot of different, you know, family reunions, holiday trips. Um, I remember being a little boy, you know, we I was we were a minivan family and we put like the travel turtle on the roof of the car with all of our luggage in it. How many of you guys remember that? Or I don't know if people still do that anymore. But just a lot of memories there. Dad showed us around over the years. Um where he went to college, uh, his high school. We've been to the Illinois State Fair several times, got a lot of memories there, eating different types of carnival food and going on rides. My dad and I did like a helicopter ride at the uh, Illinois State Fair once, and so we have a lot of memories uh, from there. Um, going to Link, you know, Lincoln Land. Um, Lincoln, you know, is the, the mascot, and you know, he grew up there. Lincoln's cabin, if I remember correctly, is there. So yeah, that's where I went most of the time growing up, and I got a lot of, a lot of fun uh, family memories. You know, my my grandmother on my dad's side's a strong woman. I remember what the kitchen smells like. You know, there's a lot of, you know, brown color scheme in the kitchen with the photos, with the knickknacks on the wall, the clocks, and I remember you know our kitchen kind of smelling like molasses and oatmeal and biscuits a lot. <laughs> you know. Um, second to that was the beach house in Virginia Beach, specifically Sandbridge. Um, we were blessed to, uh, I guess, it wasn't a timeshare, but I guess we, we were renting 
or however, a, a beach house um, in Sandbridge, Virginia. I think we did that, I think, three years minimum, five max, I think. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier, that's where the book uh, that my dad and I wrote, Noteworthy Tribute, is based there. Um, we, a lot of, you know, locales and geography and hot spots, you know, that we frequented, you know, and the energy of that place, you know, a lot of that is in the book. Um, you know, like uh, the, the Neptune statue and the boardwalk and things like that. Um, and I have my grandmother uh, on my mom's side. And I think my dad's sister have uh, had all been to that townhouse. Um, it was a lot of fun and exciting to just have a place that was ours. And it wasn't a hotel and it wasn't with family either. Nothing against hanging out with your cousins, you know. And uh, Virginia Beach was cool, you know, grilling out on the deck being able to see the ocean from the deck. I think maybe you could walk to the beach. It probably took about, I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And that was fun. And the family would talk and we'd talk to neighbors. You know, people would have their dogs out and their kids flying kites, fishing, um, just playing in the water, making sandcastles at the beach. It was just really relaxing. And I think I also remember as a kid, it was also fun because it was only like a three to four hour drive as to Virginia beach to, to Sandbridge, as opposed to a 16 to 18 hour drive to Springfield, Illinois. So that, that change wasn't lost on me. That was, those trips were fun. And that time at the Sandbridge house was, was great. Maybe a little bit more rapid fire now, um, within the States. Some um, as I close that part out, but I've been to Epcot with my brother and my uncle, been to Disney World with other family friends, uh, been to New York City, uh, I think twice. Um, I think the first time was to get a motorcycle with my dad. I took a trip up there another time. I remember going to Midtown Comics. That was a lot of fun. Um, just the biggest comic book store I'd ever seen. And then when I went to Towson University, I studied film there my senior year. Um, my job at the time... Had a job on campus um, with uh, like student activities and whatnot, and we like had the opportunity to go up to uh, I think it's Good Morning America, and so uh, so that was when we all made signs and we had like I think it was the 150th anniversary of Towson University at the time, and that was really cool because I was like wow it's been a while since I've been to to New York and it you know we got up early and you know the city you know never sleeps as you know but it's just. Still looks different at night, which is really cool. I'd never been there, um, or I couldn't remember really being there at, at night. So I've been there, um, been to Texas, been to Houston, Texas, been to New Orleans, um, went through there, stayed there for about a day or two when I did the road trip from Maryland to California. Um, been to Universal Studios once I got to California, been to San Diego, been to the Grand Canyon, um, Went there in wintertime, actually. Um, so that was different. Everything's, you know, just covered in snow, but it's still scary epic, the Grand Canyon. Um, so glad that I got to go there uh, with my friends Ochi and Robert. Shout out to you guys. Um, so that's more or less my adventures in the States. Yeah, it's just really cool to, to think like that I and my brothers and my family have had those those trips and trips with other other friends to different places that I mentioned here. So outside of the country, my first time outside of the country was to Playa del Carmen, Mexico with my dad in 2005. Um, we were there about a week, I think. I think it was like five days to a full week. Um, I think you have to fly over Cancun to get there. And so we did some cool stuff like we like had like street vendor food and, and, and um, you know, swam in the ocean. I, I'm forgetting what body of water that is right now. But I remember it was like the saltiest water. It almost scared me. That's how salty it was. Like my throat was sore for like, felt like two days. Um, and the staff was really cool. We stayed at this cool resort. And then we also, that was, you know, the Mayan pyramids are there, right? And so we climbed. Um, I always get these wrong for some reason. I know we went to Cozumel and Chichen Itza. You know, if you guys saw the movie Apocalypto, you know, it's all those pyramids and a lot of that culture and stuff. Um, so there were just ruins everywhere. Just as far as the eye could see, we hit as many of them as we could. We climbed, I think, the pyramid I'm thinking of is called Chichen Itza. I don't think you can climb it now because it's so old now. Um, but it, it was kind of steep. You had to, like, climb 
as you climbed up, you had to like hold on to this rope to guide you up and guide you down. And I think this pyramid, like when the sun hits it at a certain time of the year or every so many years, it's like the way the steps are arranged. It's like this giant serpent. It looks like, um, I can't remember what I, I think it's Quetzalcoatl. I think if I said that correctly, um, but that was epic to like lead, to like get on a plane. I think that was the first time. Yeah, that was the first time I was on a plane, 2005, when dad and I flew to Playa del Carmen. And just I, the Mayan ruins were the coolest part because we'd seen Apocalypto, I think of my grandmother's prior. And I think that was part of what inspired dad to like look up Mexico and be like, you know, let's go here because he did father and son trips, myself and my brothers, uh, just some fun bonding trips that we, you know, never forget. And it was it was cool. We saw like the um, the what what do you call it? Um, the uh, not astronomy tower. That's a Harry Potter reference. But um, there there was a structure for stargazing that that the Mayans built way back when. That's still standing. There was like this soccer field that was like pretty. Could be it turned grim because I guess the history is if you lost you were killed or something like that. Um, there was even this giant well. I think it's called a cenote. Um, that's really beautiful, but it's got like kind of a, it's got a grim history because there was like human sacrifices and, and stuff. And, you you know, if you saw Apocalypto, like, you you know, some of that stuff, or if you're into world history and have studied the Mayans, you know, some of that was a part of their history. Um, but it was unforgettable stuff to see. It was just it was amazing. I'll never forget that trip with my dad. We still have some photos and videos from it. I'm so glad we still have that stuff. Um, but that was my first trip outside of the country. Um, my second one was Carnival Cruise with like 15, what felt like 15, 20 members of, of my family on my mom's side. And we went to the Bahamas and it was wild to be on a boat for like six days out of the set or like five days out of the seven or something like that. And like, you know, we dressed up one night when they had that special night when all the crew comes out and you like shake their hand and you talk to them and you thank them and stuff. And like I ate frog for the first time and like it actually did kind of taste like chicken. It was weird. Um, the best part was snorkeling. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a black stereotype, just a little bit. I can't swim, but it's my own fault because I'm lazy. My mom signed me up for swimming classes when I was a kid. And I was just my, I had a lot of energy and a big imagination and I was in, I really was just impatient, but I, I do okay when I go to the ocean or, or the pool or whatever it's, it's, I guess I can tread water or whatever. I'm also a little crazy though, because it's 2011. I'm in I, whatever body of water that is in the, the Bahamas. I'm sorry, my geography's all off y'all here. I'm doing a travel series and my, I'm not knowing my bodies of water. But I was like, no, this water is gorgeous. I'm here in the Bahamas. I'm here with my family. They got life jackets in in, in flotation noodles. It's fine. Like, I, I was terrified, guys. But I, like, I was so captivated by how blue and beautiful that water was. So I jumped in. <laughs> I jumped in. I had the, the goggles and the snorkel and everything. And it was amazing, guys. It was so beautiful. The, the reefs were beautiful fish of every color like and a little I don't know if it was a baby octopus or just a different species that was really small but it flew or flew it swam like right past my face as I you know dunked my head just to like take in the the water and the creatures and everything that was the best part that will always be the highlight of that Bahamas trip and there was a lot and I remember I was working on an old story and I just go off Right. I'd find a quiet place on on the boat and just, you know, prior to getting to the Bahamas and just write out ideas and just get lost looking at the expanse of water. You know, I remember going to breakfast once with my cousin and she was like, we looked out over the water as we we're just loading our plates. You know, we were kids. We're, we're like, oh, my God, it's all you can eat. Pancakes, eggs, waffles, bacon, all of it. And she was like, what would you do if Godzilla just burst up out the water like that? <laughs> And I remember we all just laughed because we was like, I don't know. What would we do? Because it was just like, it's crazy. You know, it was just so captivating, you know. So to close out the travel portion, um, and then I'll take a break. Um, so Rwanda. So been here six months. Um, Y'all know, you know, the Rona happened. 
Um, we're still getting, you know, through that in different parts of different parts of the world. You know, I hope you guys are staying safe with that. I've also done, if you're a friend of the podcast and listen, you know, I've done episodes, you know, where I'm just, you know, standing up for my black people and just trying to like offer some sense of healing and storytelling, um, using my voice and my gift, my speaking gift, um, just, you know, put respect and pay tribute and honor, you know, to those who have been killed by police brutality, you know, like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Amada Aubrey, et cetera. Um, sadly, there are too many names to count, you know, and it needs to stop because God don't like ugly. Racism's the ugliest that you can get. So that, that was some of the stuff. And then also life is short. Um, I'd always wanted to see Africa. You know, my dad and I once interviewed a woman when we, um, this white lady who's, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but she was a, pro- a college professor and she'd gone to Africa a couple of times and she talked about it, how amazing it was and, I'd always wanted to go, you know, Lion King's one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite movies, you know, Black Panther's one of my favorite movies, watched both of those since being in Africa, and I don't care how cheesy it sounds, y'all, it hit different when you watch movies like that in Africa, in my experience, it's just, it's just different, you know, because it's not, you're not distant anymore, I'm breathing African air, I'm admiring these African skies, it's, you know, and so um, I was blessed to be, uh, I know I'm a broken record, I say blessed a lot, but what can I say, y'all, I am. And so my fam, my mom, dad, and my brother Daniel and I, we were like, let's do this thing. You know, so we started planning, um, took several months of, of planning. We were, we thought about Tanzania at first, and uh, but then we started doing more research, learning about the development of uh, Rwanda, sp- specifically the capital that's Kigali. Um, and we just liked what we saw. It's, it's really clean and there's just a lot of development and healing and things going on in this culture here. And, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, they're still developing some things. There's still some challenges, but you know, they're, they're working it out. And so it's been amazing. And so we, you know, December, 2021 flew out, um, things lined up. We got on Qatar. What was it? Qatar Airways flew business class, had never, I think it's the same as first class had never done that before. It's it's a very large plane. So there's seating on the far left. There's seating in the middle. There's seating on the far right. We're in cubicles. They have these kind of low key beds where like your, 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 what is it? Your chair, your seat kind of reclines, you know, kind of like at the movie theater into like kind of a, a bed and like there's a sheet you can put over it. They gave you pajamas. They have, the, you know, really delicious food. I can't even remember what I, what I ate. Um, had this delicious lime drink that I really liked. The staff was amazing. Um, you could rate, uh, lower and raise like the walls of the cubicle. So every now and again, my brother and I would like, you know, start talking to each other, you know, how you doing, how you liking it? How's your food? What are you watching? All of us had a TV, had our own personal TV. So I was watching movies and stuff. You know, I watched, you know, Beetlejuice for the first time. I'd never seen it. I was watching movies. I was reading comics. I brought my static comics. That was, I was so glad that I did that because the week we left, um, some new static comics, some new comics had come out. I was like, I got to get these so as I can read these jokes on the plane. I even, I even brought my, all of my black comics with me. I have other comics, my Superman comics, Batman, etc. But I made sure I brought all of my milestones, static, hardware, icon, you know, other um, indie comics that are black made sure I bought all of, brought all of those. And, um, it was just really cool. It was really cool being on, you know, I was like, wow, first class, you know? And, um, we, uh, we had like a seven hour layover in Doha, I think it's called, um, here in Africa, uh, if I remember correctly, the flight was like, I think 19 to 23 hours, almost a full day. Yeah. So we, then we had our layover in Doha for like seven hours. I didn't even go to sleep. I was too hopped up, you know. Um, we had a fun a concierge who came, guided us, and things. We was like, we don't know what to do, you know, whatever. And um, this African woman, and then later this Asian woman, you know, were very professional, very nice. They showed us around, showed us to the the lounge where we were to stay. You know, you could take a shower, you could eat. There was food, there was Wi-Fi. We took that time to like connect with family. I made some calls and texted people. There were like all these different, you know, African people and people, I guess, like from Arabia and stuff. There was like this businessman with like 
the traditional like Arabian garb and he had, you know, his headscarf on and he was on a phone, his phone doing business. And then at his feet, he had guys in the airport, a falcon. Its head was covered, I guess, while it slept or to keep it from getting spooked in a high traffic area like that. And I don't know what it was at that time, guys. I was like, that's the richest, most boss thing I ever seen. Look at this dude conducting business with a falcon. Like what? Like, I thought that was cool, man. I think falconry is cool, y'all. And so, um, so, you know, we did the layover and then we, we switched to, um, I think Ronda air for the remainder of the trip. You know, the staff was great there, had delicious food, you know, watched more movies, um, I think I tried to watch, what is it, Rebel Without a Cause, I think, but then I, I fell asleep in it, but I wound up watching this documentary about, you know, the the advancements of, of Rwanda and about the president and, like, the nature and the cons- uh, conservation and the animals and just, it's just so, so beautiful just to get myself ready, right, and, like, watch the sunrise through through the windows of the plane, I was like, yo. We in African airspace right now. This is crazy. Got a little emotional. Didn't cry. Amazingly, I didn't cry. It was like it was wild. I thought I, I thought I would, but I just felt this gratitude and just this warmness and just like, wow, I'm here with my mom and my dad. I'm here with my my brothers. You know, we're calling. You know, at the at the, the layover, my brothers letting them know that 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 we're okay. They're sending love. We're sending photos back and forth. WhatsApp. I've never been so good at WhatsApp. I had it before, but now I'm I'm a WhatsApp, you know, pro now. And then we landed and I was like, wow, we are here. We got our luggage. They helped us with the luggage. Let uh, let my friend uh, Joy, you know, you're going to hear from my friend Joy later. She is well traveled. She lives here as well. And she and her family gave us a lot of um, tips, a lot of uh, knowledge as we got ready for for our trip. And they came and got us and. We hung out, hung out with them for a few weeks and then some other friends, my friend uh, Miss Tammy and Dorian. And it's like, wow, we're here in Africa. You know, um, so it's been amazing. So um, so we, we've lived, we've rented out this home. You know, you can rent. You're not paying monthly. You're paying every six months, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And uh, while we've been here, we've gone to like Mount Kigali. So I've gotten to do archery. Um, which I always wanted to do. Uh, I took, uh, I, I've done like horseback riding. You know, I did a class when I was 14. And then, you know, at this, like Mount Kigali is also called Facenda Sanga, I think. I hope I'm saying that right. And it's just this activity spot. They've got archery, ATVs, horseback riding. They've got a grill. They've got food, zip lining, music. They've got souvenirs. It's It's pretty great. Amazing views. Very awesome staff. Been there a couple of times. Went there for my birthday because, you know, celebrated you know, my first birthday turned 33 in Africa is crazy. So we've 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 done that. We've been to local restaurants and things, you know, um, had to get used to, to the food. You know, it's a little different. I'll admit not a lot of seasoning here. Not the way we do. Not the way we do in, in America. I'll admit there is very flavorful food, especially I notice when it's their local cuisine. I was noticing Rondi's food or, or Rondin food. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, it seems to go either way, Rondis or Rondin, near as I can tell. Um, their language is Kenya Rondin. They also speak English and French here. Um, but it seems their local food, you know, they, they, they do that thing up. Sometimes with some of the American food, you know, I, to me it wasn't as flavorful as what I was used to, you know. So I was just like, wow, okay, this is different, you know. But, I mean, they different. So um, what else have we done? Uh, we went to uh, Lake Bunyani. At a place called the Nest, um, this this uh, hotel resort, it was beautiful. I hadn't seen water, like a big body of water, in like six months at that time, because um, in uh, in L.A., which I oh my bad, I guess I kind of skipped living in L.A., but um, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I was used to the beach, you know. I lived near Dockweiler Beach, if you, for those who are familiar along the coast, you know, it connects to El Segundo and whatnot. So it was beautiful to be on Lake Bunyani. You know, it's just so beautiful and just more of the hills and a lot of the farmers and agriculturalists, they kind of carve these. It almost looks like steps in the hills, but it's out of the out of the earth, out of the soil. And it just creates a beautiful design in the in the hills, you know, and we pass like the tea farms, 
you could smell the tea from the road. You know, we took a, a bus ride. Uganda's only like an hour, two or three hours from Rwanda. Um, you know, we did customs. We got that under control. We got our stamp. It was great. Um, we went some some other friends um, who were just amazing hosts and just really took care of us. We experienced um, a local Ugandan dance from from a home, uh, a girls' home slash girls' academy called Grace Villa, um, who you'll you'll hear from uh, in this season as well. We we were celebrating uh, my uncle Don's uh, birthday. And uh, they just sang and danced and they were just, they just lit up the whole hotel. It was beautiful. And it was just for us. And we had dinner together and we talked with them and, you know, checked out their merch and bought their merch and just learned more about their school and what they're about. And I was just like, wow, two African countries, you know, inside of, uh, at that time, four months. Remarkable. Just, just remarkable, you know. Got the, uh, you know, uh, Ugandan shillings. Um, I can't remember the conversion right now uh, off the top of my head, but, you know, I kept one of those as a souvenir. That was neat. It just kind of blew me away. So it's, um, so I'm just, that's a little bit of, of Rhonda right now. Um, I'm just enjoying, people ask me all the time, are you ever coming back? Right now, I'm like, eh, not anytime soon. I'm, I'm immersed right now. I just, I want to see more of this continent. I want to meet more people. I want to meet you know, more artists and, and African filmmakers. You know, if you've listened to Josiah's voice, you know, I've interviewed, you know, uh, Bill Kaimba from Kenya, which is cool. Like Kenya is closer to me now. You know, he's we've chatted on. Shout out to you, Bill. He's like, you know, we got to link up, you know, and I'm like, yo, I should go. I got to go to Kenya. That'd be it's just a possibilities, guys. It's just I'm so grateful that I launched out and did this when I did. I'm so glad. Life is so different. It was scary. It really was. I don't want it to sound like I was just so brave. But um, I mean, I was clearly, but it, but I was still a little shook. But it's just wild seeing all these African people, all these black folk, all these locals. You know, there's some customs that I don't really understand. And then there are some that I really admire, you know, and it's just just taking it all in. You know, I think even the, the air, I don't know. There aren't a lot of factories here. I don't know what it was. You know, maybe the locals are like, it's not a big deal. To me, I thought there was kind of, I won't lie, like a sweetness to the air that after a few weeks I got used to. You know, I was like, wow, I think even air smells and tastes different. I think, at least to me, it did. And so we've met some cool locals here who who are friends and they, they treat us right, you know, um, getting used to like, you know, taking taxis and ride shares and things. We have those in the States, but it's a big thing here. They have motos. Uh, short for motorcycle, you know, ride, riders who take you everywhere. And, you know, they do drive on uh, the right side of the road. So if you're from the States, it's the same thing here in Rwanda. Um, it's different, if I remember correctly, in Uganda, though. In Rwanda, it's the same as in the United States. But uh, in Uganda, they drove on the left. So that was different. So I just want to see more countries, you know, in time. You know, I want to go to Kenya. I want to go to South Africa. I want to go to Madagascar, you know, I, I just want to see as much of it as possible. Um, and I'm just so glad that that I get to uh, to do this and that I'm meeting the people I'm meeting, that I'm trying the food I'm trying, that I'm learning things about the culture. So a lot of time, you know, it's very slow, even keel here. If you're from the Midwest, like my dad is back in the States where everything's slow, it's like that here. And I had to get used to like, slowing down. I was used to, you know, and I'll get into that in a minute after the break, but, um, I was really used to moving, moving, moving all the time. So that's how it is, you know, at large in the States here think people take their time and that's what I needed. You know, I, I knew I needed that, but then when I got here, I was like, yeah, I got to embrace this serenity I got to enjoy not doing anything. I got to get back into reading books. I'm, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, I'm a big bookworm and just, I got to get back in touch with, with me and learn new things about myself, you know, and I'm learning what I'm, what I'm capable of. I'm, I'm experiencing more confidence and independence with taking, you know, contributing to taking care of the house here, or if my parents need something or, you know, going, going to the doctor or, or planning a trip or whatever, you know. When my family planned this trip, you know, we all took different portions of research. You know, when my brother might have looked at the finances, my dad looked at, you know, the the, the language and, and the rent and my mom did this. And, and 
it was a big family project, you know, and I've just really experienced a major boost in my my confidence and just a sense of, of who I am by just taking this trip. I don't know if it has that effect on everybody. I'm just telling you what some of what I've experienced, you know, I'm sorry, I might even be forgetting some things. Um, but I'm sure in time, you know, I'll share more, um, more, more will come out in the future episodes, but, um, those are the highlights from, from Rwanda. Um, I think actually you're supposed to say Rwanda actually. So that's, that's been my travels highlights from my travels. That's Rwanda. Um, I can't wait to see what effect it's going to have on my podcasting going forward. I can't wait to see what effect it's going to have on my writing, on my film production, film, uh, passion, Um, And I'm just allowing Africa, you know, to wash over me, however it will. So um, that's that. You know, if I think of anything else, I'll share that in the the next segment. But um, that's my travel highlights to kick off this new season, season four of Josiah's Voice, you know, international travel and with creatives. So um, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back to recap what film life has been like. Stay tuned. This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description and use promo code J0S1AHV01CE. Josiah's voice, get it? Again, that's J0S1AHV01CE. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling, start listening with Newsly. Cool, and we're back. So, um,. Yeah, those are my highlights from travel. So now let's get into film life. I'll just start from the beginning. Um, I mostly have worked as a production assistant, also known as a, as a PA. I've been a BG once or twice. That stands for background ec- uh, extra. And so to, to get into the nitty gritty, um, when I was at Towson University, um, I studied film. We called it there the Electronic Media and Film Program. And they would post job opportunities. And so uh, on the, the bulletin board, um, they would just share, you know, House of Cards was bringing a lot of jobs to Baltimore and D.C. At, at that time. And I was a fan of the show at that time. And uh, I, I just did, you know, fill out the paperwork that they had posted up. And I got to be a production assistant where I wrangled extras. We were at the Royal Farms uh, Arena in Baltimore. And so we would just move, you know, a few, I think it was a few hundred, a couple hundred or something extras and we just moved them around Royal Farms. It was rented out or whatever. And they used a green screen. And they were basically just copying the same dozens and dozens and dozens of extras around the arena. So that was the first time I was on House of Cards as a, as a production assistant, you know, on walkies and things and communicating and, you know, moving, you know, moving extras around, you know. And so that was really exciting. That was really different, really energetic. And I was like, wow. I'm really doing this film. I'm studying and I'm also getting a job opportunity. You know, no, I, you know, I was only on House of Cards twice, so I wasn't like always on it, but it was still awesome. Got to put it on my resume. Um, the last time I was on it, I was a background. Uh, so that was cool. So I was a camera, I, I was a journalist or a cameraman or something. And so I was just filling in the space where uh, Frank Underwood was like, addressing like he was doing his little his you know his tour you know with with you know his supporters and so we were at a mill or something if you remember that episode you know it was a sawdust mill or something and yeah so I was given like a prop camera which I thought was cool and appropriate because I was getting in the camera at that time 
Um, so that was cool to, to, I felt like, you know, Jimmy Olsen or Peter Parker or something. So that was cool. Um, it was just really, really exciting. So that was my first like professional job, you know, and it was cool to be able to do it, uh, in Maryland. And so, uh, fast forward, I guess, five years or so to when I moved to Los Angeles, um, my first job was with uh, a classmate. Um, or actually, we didn't take any classes together. We were just friends in the EMF. Shout out to my buddy Zach. Um, he called me one day. He was like, yo, you know, I'd been in L.A. maybe five, six, seven months at that time. You know, was having, couldn't find a job. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've talked about that in my L.A. two-year L.A. anniversary episode um, back in season three. Um and he was like, yo, you know, you, you need, you, can you work tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And so then I reported somewhere and it turned out to be a L'Oreal commercial. Um, Viola Davis was there. It was crazy. I was like, what? And I got to like, do like the Spotify playlist when she was doing a photo shoot, you know, to get her in a, a you know, an, an upbeat mood. She was in full auntie mode. It was great. She was dancing. She was smiling. It was awesome. And that was just amazing. I was like, that's Viola Davis, you know, and Helen Mirren was there too and whatnot. And so, um, so on the L'Oreal commercial, you know, back to that, I was a production assistant. I was just on lockups. And that just means you're standing at entrances and exits, making sure people don't come in while they're rolling. And that was primarily it. You know, I was on that for a week, for a weekend. Um, and it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, I was even on a Pop-Tart commercial. Someone from that job recommended me to for that job, um, for this Pop-Tart thing that shot for a day or two. And then after that, uh, my friend, shout out to you, Rachel. She got me on a, a talk show, a brand new ch- talk show. I th- it's still running now. It's called Fox Soul. You know, had local, well, naturally, <laughs> you know, like Mike Hill, who I wasn't familiar with. He was in like ESPN and Sports Center and stuff. And he's like best friends with like Jamel Hill, who came to the show once and he interviewed her. Um, Tammy Mack, who's like, um, I believe a major radio personality. She was hilarious. She was really nice to work with. Um, and I worked on that for five months. Um, it ended, um, or my time on it ended, you know, when the Rona hit and, you know, there were layoffs and, and whatnot. Um, but I worked on that for five months as a camera utility. Um, so I was kind of a glorified production PA, you know, but I, I appreciate the time, you know, it was a hard job. It was kind of low-key, a skeleton crew. You know, a lot of people pulled their weight and things. Um, shout out to um, Nicole Scott. You know, loved working with her. She was my stage manager um, and, and Brendan and Tony Rose and whatnot. But it was cool. It was like Black Hollywood came through that show. You know, Jaleel White, Jamel Hill, uh, Keisha Cole, um, Lou, uh, is it Louis Gossett Jr.? I believe. I hope I, I got that right. Um, cause I think there's another black actor who has a similar name, but, um, he was in, uh, Watchmen, um, the HBO show, um, Danny Glover, you know, I remember my, my, the camera guys and I, we, we were fans of the movie, um, last, uh, black man in San Francisco. If you've seen that amazing, beautiful movie and, um, Danny Glover is in that. So we, you know, during a break, we just told him, you know, that we were fans of his, especially at that time, his latest project. Uh, Last Black Man. I think before that was Sorry to Bother You, or he was in that. Uh, T-Boz came uh, to the show. That was, I was like, wow, that was amazing. Um, so Foxhole was like my crash course majorly, you know, five days a week. You know, and we're filming for hours. Like I, you know, from 2 p.m. to like midnight, you know, because they're filming like four different shows and just, you know, it was a lot, you know. Uh, I'm a buddy I met, shout out to you, Ari. Um, I met her when she was working and I think it was Office Depot. She was like the first new friend I made in LA and I, you know, we didn't have a printer at the time. And so I met Ari, uh, while, you know, printing off my resume a bunch of times, um, there and, you know, we got to talking, you know, she's, you know, LA born and raised and I felt great because I was able to get her a job. At Fox Soul. And, uh, you know, so shout out to you, to you, Ari. Miss you. Um, and just glad that, you know, we had that time together um, to just start to really get our feet wet, you know, and really like take this film production thing uh, seriously, you know. And so, so that was great. Um, and then I, you know, I took some time off, you know, because, you know, layoffs and Corona. And that's when Josiah's voice, you know, when I launched this show in, you know, the middle of 2020. Um, and uh, then early 
2021 is when I, uh, around that time, winter is when I started taking jobs again. And so I got on America's Funniest Videos and got to work with Alfonso Ribeiro. Um, that was really, really awesome. And it was just kind of cool to watch Alfonso work. And I, I the final week, um, I became like kind of the, the central assistant for the, the two directors, um, Jerry and Liz. And it was fun to, to work with them. I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to Gary from Fox Soul who, you know, saw my, my work ethic and he got me on that show on, uh, AFV. And uh, it was one highlight was that Alfonso, you know, enjoyed talking to people during breaks. He would, he pulled you in with his eyes, like whatever he was talking about, whether he was talking to an, uh, a PA or, or a crew member he was close friends with, or whether you were new, you know, he would just kind of show you that you were included. And I thought that was cool. Cause a lot of people, I mean, I guess they don't owe you that, you know, or some, you know, we're talking about celebrities can be stuck up or have a bad day or whatever, but that was never the case uh, on my time working with him. And that was really cool. And, um, you know, I, I, I was actually uh, called up to work on season two, uh, by, but I wasn't able to, um, but I was able to pass it to my buddy, Zach, who got me the L'Oreal commercial I mentioned earlier, because by the time season two happened, I was already in Africa. Um, but that was a fun, that was a fun show. And I'm glad I got I got to be a part of it. And I'm glad that Liz and Jerry wanted me wanted me back. That that made me feel good to know that I did a good job, you know. So um then from there, um Gary recommended me again for Insecure. I got on that. Couldn't believe it. Um, because the two low-key three years that I worked that I lived in LA, I you know, um season four to five took place. And uh, I even there was even a notice, um, I think in 2019, when I guess season four was being filmed, um, it was like, yo, Insecure is being filmed. Just know you're on camera. I'm like, what? And um, I think I've talked about this before where my best friend, shout out to you, Marcus, a friend of the podcast, a previous guest. Um, he and I did like the, the PA production assistant contest where you filmed a video and told a story and introduced yourself. You know, we did that, you know. And so it was great that it came full circle. The final season of Insecure, I got to be on that, um, work on that as a production assistant, a new position called COVID PA was invented basically as um, another layer just to, of production assistant, which just manned, uh, managed the health and safety as it pertained to, you know, uh, masks, hand sanitizer, uh, visors, just all that health and safety equipment stuff and safety zones and all of that. Um, really tough job, thankless job. Um, but we, we got it done. And so I was low key on insecure for maybe the whole run of the show really. Cause it started filming in January and I got on like late January, really just February. And I got on it like late March. So it was kind of like a belated birthday present to myself, really, because um, my birthday's in March. And it was amazing. I met some amazing people. It was an unforgettable experience. To this day, I'm like, I worked on Insecure. My name, y'all, was in the credits. Like, what? So yeah, I worked on that for like three and a half, four months, something like that. Saw a lot of Los Angeles. I credit working on Insecure with giving me more of a sense of geography, especially, you know, if you're a fan of Insecure, of black L.A., you know, Baldwin Hills, Lamert Park, etc. Um, met a lot of awesome, awesome people who have even been on the show uh, before, like shout out to Shanae from Damn Right Originals. You know, she was on uh, last season, um, met her. She was like my captain, basically, of, you know, the COVID team, which was great uh, on Insecure. You know, got to, you know, I got to meet Issa Rae, which was great. She signed my book and chatted with me about writing briefly. Met, you know, uh, Yvonne Orji, you know, who played my favorite. All of them are my favorite characters, but I really loved Molly Carter, Yvonne's character. I just really did. So it was fun to meet her. Met a lot of other cast members, you know, which was great. Met, you know, James Bland, who, you know, played Kelly's, you know, baby daddy <laughs> in the final season. And he also did, uh, made that amazing, amazing insecure the end documentary every now and again i just watch that documentary again to just get inspired and fired up it's just amazing so it was awesome you know met just met some amazing people and i'm just i'm so glad i got to work on that show that was like the long just shut no no wait because i'm getting ahead of myself but at the time that was 
one of the longest. Fox Soul was the longest show I was on. That was about four or five months. Insecure was about three to four months. Um, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. If you want to hear more about it, um, listen to my, I think it's, I called it, I Met Issa Rae or I Worked With Issa Rae. That came out, I think that was season three as well. Season three was a long season. That's the earlier half. So if you're interested and if you're new here or if you've been following along but just missed that episode, go check that out. Um, a lot of memories and even more details uh, into that highlight of my film career. Um, immediately following that, I got uh, I got to work on Roar. It's an Apple TV show. It's this anthology sci-fi show centering on women. And it was pretty amazing because Issa was on that. In fact, I think her... I think the first episode of Roar was Issa's episode, actually. So I was like, wow, weeks later. So that was cool, you know. Um, I was like, wow, and got to see familiar faces um, from working on, on Insecure, um, on Roar, on Issa's episode. So that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad I got to do that for about two or three days. Right after that, um, the medic from AFV, America's Funniest Videos, uh, we became buddies, and she put my name up to be on Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I got to work on that for uh, about two or three days, day played on that. Um, that was amazing, because I'm, I'm a fan of Star Wars, um, love the movies growing up, and to just be walking through like Tatooine and seeing you know, the props and the buildings and it's, you know, just like, wow. And seeing like, you know, Reva, you know, the Inquisitor, like seeing her in action, shout out to Moses Ingram. Um, just amazing seeing her physicality and just her intimidation as this Inquisitor. I'm just like, whoa. And to see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, you know, um, fun fact, you know, if you didn't know, you know, he's riding a camel on set in the first couple episodes. He's on that alien. I don't know what it's called, but, um, you know, in camera, he's on a camel. And then, you know, with CGI wizardry, they make it into the alien thing that he's riding on the space camera, I guess you can call it, with the long nose, elephant nose. Um, and I'm just like, wow, that's Obi-Wan. Like, what? You know, and, and like young Luke, you know, saw the kid running around playing young Luke and Luke's house, you know, that the replica and everything. And it's amazing. You know, I, I won't forget that either. I on that show, um so so on Roar, I was another COVID PA, but on Obi-Wan Kenobi, I was a locations assistant. So that was different. So we're still moving around a lot of equipment. It put a lot of strain on my body. Um I'm forgetting his name right now, but the lead um location scout was this really cool dude who was a former Marine. Like we were walking through sand and stuff and this guy's like got whole like, what do we call them? Those tents. The, um, I forgot what they're called. If I don't see another one ever again, it'll be too soon. They were everywhere on set. I don't know if it was unique to COVID. Probably not. But whenever I see them, I do happen to think of COVID like check-ins. But he was a really cool dude who gave me great advice about like not getting lost and being a production assistant. Because if you have a passion and in our case, he was also a fellow writer. And he was saying, you know, don't get addicted to the paycheck. Don't get addicted to the convenience of being a production assistant. You got scripts, write them, get them things produced, you know. And so I really appreciated him. Um, shout out to him. I'm sorry I'm forgetting his name right now. But he was a really cool, cool dude. Really, really awesome. Um, so that was my time on, on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Shout out to uh, Susan who who got me that that job. Really uh, excited to have been able to participate in that um, really sweet woman who just, you know, gave me a chance. And I really appreciate that. And uh, last but not least, um, my final show as of late and my final show um, in Los Angeles was Blackish, another favorite. Um, at the time, I hadn't seen a lot of I, I'd seen a lot of episodes maybe in season one and two. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a sitcom. It's it's probably in syndication um, it's you know, it just has so many, um, but we did watch a lot of it when we first moved to Los Angeles, actually, now that I think about it. So that was full circle to have watched a lot of it when we first got there and then to have been a part of it for, you know, my final year in Los Angeles in the final season, the eighth season that, that was cool. So I worked on that about two to three months, um, and, uh, saw some familiar faces from Insecure, shout out to my buddy Venus, um, and then, you know, met some some new people. Um, shout out to, to Heon, who um, 
was uh, my final guest in, in season three. Uh, check that episode out about art and photography and cinema. Um, shout out to, to my good friend, uh, Anisia, who uh, I met on Insecure. And then, you know, she was trying to become a production assistant, just continue to build that resume. And I, it felt so good. Um, I was on vacation um, in Springfield, Illinois, actually, last year. And, um, you know, at the time, wasn't able to, to do... Uh, blackish, but I was like, yo, y'all need to hit up, you know, my friend, you know, my, my, we were barely even friends at the time actually, but they called her up and she got, she got put on. And so then when I, you know, came back to LA and the show was still going on, they still needed people. And I got on it and who would have thought, you know, that she'd be training me. That was crazy. And so that was fun to, to meet new friends like her and he on, and then to reconnect with my, my friend, uh, Venus and whatnot to meet other new faces and to meet Anthony Anderson. You know, that, that was, that was cool. He's, he's a riot. <laughs> he was always, he always giving people a hard time. It, it was funny, but, uh, but, but he was cool. Always got my name right. That, that was cool. Um, met, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, uh, met, uh, Jennifer Lewis, uh, and, 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 uh, Lawrence Fishburne, you know, Morpheus himself, and that was just amazing. Got to work on the Disney lot. Got to see Marvel Studios, in fact. Got to see historical buildings on the Disney lot that still had, like, art up from, like, Peter Pan back in Technicolor and Beauty and the Beast and Snow White. And that was amazing. That was an amazing time to work on a sitcom like like that. Because Insecure is a comedy, but it's also drama. So it's a dramedy. And it's shot on location a lot. Probably more than on stages. As opposed to Blackish, which was a sitcom, which was on location here and there, but nine times out of ten, it was like in the surrounding area, like maybe five or ten minutes from the studio. Um, most everything just takes place in the house or um, in the office, and all of those are stages, if you didn't know. And so uh, it was just fun to see all, you know, again, like insecure, all these black folk on set, you know what I'm saying? And to see all the all the different guest stars that, that came in and... It was just, it was a lot of fun. On that one, I was a COVID PA uh, again, and um, I'll never forget that. I never, I'll never forget that time. And so, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here in Africa uh, until I'm not, um, and I'm just gonna adventure this thing, um, just see, see more of the world, uh, even outside of it. But I want to see this continent, and God willing, um, I'll set foot on a film set again. You know, in the meantime, I'm doing this podcast thing, you know, maybe working on some web series stuff. We'll see. But I'm just trying to stay creative, stay in production, uh, production mode when I can take my breaks when I need to, because um, I'm learning. I can be a little bit of a workaholic. I think it's just because my work ethic. Um, I've always had good work ethic, but I think the last couple of years it really skyrocketed. And uh, so I've just been trying to learn to take my time and drink in, you know, um, downtime here, be in vacation mode when I can. But when it's time, I, I hope to, um, we'll, we'll see what it looks like, but I, I hope to, you know, maybe have some film experiences in the African film scene here, get in where I fit in. You know, there's African, um, the, the major hubs, as I understand it, are uh, for film production are Nigeria, I think Ghana, Kenya, and South Africa, to my understanding, I think is the Hollywood of the continent, so to speak. Even other African productions go there to, to South Africa to handle business, you know, and other Hollywood productions, you know, go to South Africa um, as well. I think like Chronicle and some of the Mission Impossible movies, um, District 9, of course, if you've seen that, if you're a fan of that movie, I love that movie. That whole thing takes place in Johannesburg anyway. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. And like I said before, I can't wait to see what effect living here has on me. Um so I'm just trying to make myself available, you know, to, to God, making make, make putting my gifts out there and just seeing what's what's going to happen. So I just I'm going to stay creative and, and stay, stay busy, just believing and praying to be able to leave, you know, whatever impact I can, great or small uh, on uh, on the continent here on my time here in Rwanda. Um, I say it again, you know, looking forward to meeting more African creators, you know, YouTubers and filmmakers and, and, and whatnot. Um, that, uh, hopefully you guys will, will hear from, you know, soon as, as I figure this thing out and just kind of make it as, as I go along. Those are my travels. 
that's my film life. And that was uh, my time in film in Los Angeles, hoping uh, and believing to bring that expertise here to, to Africa in, in due time and God's time. Um, and so if you like that, uh, feel free to subscribe uh, and share. I invite you to do so. Um, if you're new here, listen to please check out past episodes. Um, I have episodes with with authors, musicians, teachers, filmmakers and more. So I hope you find something that you like. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the stories of my travels uh, and my my film life. Uh, here, um, you can also find other solo episodes of mine talking about film production, especially if you're new here. And if you've been here, you know, you just want to relive it. Those episodes are still there. Go check them out. So um, thank you for for listening. I'm excited to be getting back into uh, into the season. Ride with me. Like I said, this one's going to be a little experimental. So I'm trying to leave it all out on the table because I'm just feeling some changes and I just want to. I don't want to overstay my welcome, you know, but I don't want to cut things too short either. So just I'm just be honest with that. So this season, you know, if you can really ride with me on this one and uh, we'll see where it goes, you know. So, um, you know, stick around. Uh, got more episodes coming with friends and family about their travels and their industries as creatives. So uh, until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, I'll talk to you later. Peace out, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms and you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiahsvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.